and welcome to the Parents on Pictures podcast. I'm Damien. And I'm Andy. And what we do each and every week is we take a film from a popular streaming platform like Netflix, Amazon Prime or Disney Plus, and we watch it and come in here and talk all sorts about it. So Andy, what film do we have this episode? We have Netflix's Extraction. Yeah, very new, very exciting action film. Went straight to number one. And just before we get into the meat of it, a little bit of uh, what the film's about. So this is straight from Netflix themselves. Tyler Rake is a fearless black market mercenary with nothing to lose when his skills are solicited to rescue the kidnapped son of an imprisoned international crime lord. But in the murky underworld of weapons dealers and drug traffickers, an already deadly mission approaches the impossible, forever altering the lives of Rake and the boy. And that pretty much sums it up in terms of the entire plot. <laughs> that's, the, that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Show's over. Let's go home. Uh, what we're alluding to essentially is that this film has next to no plot whatsoever. Let's face it. This is a vehicle for um, however long this film is action piece. And my God, we'll get into it. What an action piece this was. An hour and 56 minutes with about six minutes of plot. <laughs> it, but, but it doesn't need it and that's the beautiful thing about this film is uh there is i think any more narrative than there was would have ruined the film i think it would have killed the um the flow it, it has a pace and that yeah. pace in spite of the fact that it's, it's an a, you know an hour and 56 minutes that pace is quick you never feel that it kind of slows down and gets bored at any point it's Absolutely. so fast yeah it's brilliant it's really good um, the action scenes are phenomenal, um, but let's let's just talk about the narrative for a moment. Yeah, um, let's let's do that, and then yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> it it should only take a few moments here. Um, so yeah, Andy, do you want to take us away? Yeah, so um, we are we uh, the film is set in Bangladesh, um, but before we get to Bangladesh, we're introduced to some characters in Australia. Um, Chris Hemsworth's character. Um, well, I don't know what his name is. Uh, 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 Rake. Rake, Tyler Rake, yes. Tyler Rake. And um, so we're introduced to him, and he's this very cool, clearly, you know, been in some battle, and I think he's SAS or something, isn't he? Or, or something like that. He's, um, he's ex-Special Forces of some description, yeah. Because yeah. he's not a mercenary for hire. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, he gets... Um, a job come through through some like agency that he's involved some black market agency where he needs to go and rescue the son of a drug lord in Bangladesh and uh, he goes to Bangladesh he fights lots of people he gets <laughs> the boy and uh, that's the film. Yeah, that is the film. Um, and but, but that's it. It's like, what I like about it is you don't need any more than that. The film knows exactly what it is. This is a you know, let's call it, this is a two hour set piece. Yeah. That's all it is. It is a, 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 the fact that it's even in Bangladesh is simply a backdrop. Um, to, they, could have, they could have literally picked anywhere because it's two rival drug lords. Um, you know, one of them has kidnapped the other one's son. This is a story that you could have told in any country in the world. And it genuinely wouldn't have mattered other than the fact that you've got a really beautiful place that's probably not been seen all that much in western cinema to set this story to but right. this story is it's old and the story itself has nothing new to offer by any means i mean it's cliched down to 
every plot development you've got a mercenary with nothing to live for uh because his family has died you've got a drug lord's son who you know the son is innocent even though the drug lord is a an absolute what's it um and it's 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 a man who's yeah he's he's just out to for a job for sure and it for me it was a cross between um uh John Wick, the John Wick franchise. Lots of influence from that, I think. Man on Fire, Taken. It's like all of those films bought into one um, and really successfully bought into one film as well. I think it really worked in that sense. Absolutely. It's, um, you know, I think this is where we can certainly see the success of the John Wick franchise, particularly in in recent history, having a knock-on effect to other uh, action films yeah. it's like um every so often an action film will come along and it will do something so spectacular that that's what action films will try and replicate for the next decade to come funnily enough you saw it when the matrix came out with keanu reeves and now you've seen it again when john wicks come out with keanu reeves back the in the day people were trying kung uh, they were trying wire foo and bullet time and all sorts of crazy things that let's face it i don't think has actually ever been successfully done or as successfully done as the matrix even Unless- though they've tried to copy it max Payne. Did you ever play See, Max? I did. I've actually, uh, Max Payne, when I was younger, I'm not going to say how old, <laughs> when I was younger, uh, was one of those that I, I think for a week, uh, I had it basically on loop. It's, it's not a great film, but I must have watched it at least once a day for a week because right. I was like, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Now yeah. I go back and watch it and I'm like, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> did you ever play the video game? See, I didn't. I didn't. I watched it because it was based on a video game property, but I never played the video games. Right. So the video game was amazing, way better than the film, um, and you could really play around with that bullet time within the game. Nice. Was, yeah, much like you can in Red Dead Redemption, things like that, where yep. you can tag people and shoot them. Kind of similar to that, uh, but it was the first game that really did that, and so yeah. But you know, clearly influenced by The Matrix, it was a it, yeah. you know, it was out around that time. That's fabulous. And, and this is it. We're seeing the same thing again in, um, in the films that we're seeing in terms of action. It's like everybody really likes the, the very quickly paced, almost surgical precision of the movement in action because of John Wick. It's very surgical in what it does. And we're seeing a similar thing here, but not by any means the same style. John Wick's got a very, very specific uh, martial arts style to it. It's like a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu uh, hybrid, whereas this is very much more uh, close quarters combat. So even though it's the same feeling, it's a very different style of combat. It's, it's military fighting. It, yeah. It's that, you know, he is uh, SAS, a Marine, something like that. And that, it's that kind of fighting you'd expect from him. It's brutal, it's fast, but it's not technical. No. And it feels more visceral than John Wick as well. Yeah. John Wick is very stylish um, and is very uh, clean cut. It's even actually a little bit um, toned back in its gore. And... Mm. I did feel that this film did that occasionally, but it was it felt much, much more visceral in every hit and every gunshot and everything that was happening. Yeah. No, I think that's what they were going for. Right. And it's it's one of those films you can just lose yourself in for a couple of hours. You're not, you know, this film hasn't changed my life or anything like that. No, I won't. I watch it again. I really yeah, I really enjoyed it. And so um you know, it in in that sense it it was 
very successful in what it set out to do just be a a way of killing time during lockdown. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and you know, it's, uh, it's one of those films where I actually started watching it and I got about halfway through and I switched it off. But the reason I switched it off is because I knew that my wife would love this film. Really? And so I was like, right, I've got to make a decision here. You know, we can watch this together. Um, and so I, I told her, look, I've watched half this film. You're going to love it because she loves action as well. I'm very lucky in that way. And um, I was like, you, you, you've got to watch it. Now, no, has she watched it? No, I watched the whole film for this podcast. Right. Um, but that happens a lot. But um, it's one of those I'd have, you know, even if you've seen a thousand action films, I'd still recommend it to you. It's really... I'm, I'm reluctant to say easy to watch just based on how visceral and how gruesome it can be with, with some of it, but it is very um, digestible. It's like you, you can sit back and just let it wash over you. You don't have to think about it. You just got to sit and enjoy it. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. Um, I watched it in one go and I couldn't stop watching it. I loved it. I thought it was so good. Um, but again, you know, it's the kind of film where, um, if I had picked it up in two parts, it would have been fine. I'm not. I'm not oh, no, don't get me wrong. wrong I, I went back and started it again. So I didn't pick up where I left off. I was enjoying it so much. So I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to go back and watch it again. I've got no problem with watching the first half. Yeah, I think I'll probably go back and watch it again. I, yeah. you know, a few parts of it I really enjoyed. So before we go into like the action, let's cover some of the plot beats then, because there are some some really nice touches in this. But again, they are very few and far between. So yeah, you know, it sets up that um, uh, Rake is uh, a mercenary out for hire. He's got nothing to lose. He only decides to do the job because uh, he basically has a, a suicide wish. Um, but I suppose it's suicide on the job as opposed to actually taking his own life. And, you know, they, they almost say so much. I think they say something along the lines of uh, you're just waiting. Well, you just spin, spin, was it spin the chamber and uh, eventually hope you'll catch a bullet. I think that it was something along those lines. Uh, just as quickly as that sets up the fact that he doesn't really care whether he lives or dies. And when he um, manages to rescue Ovi, who's the, the young boy, um, from the, uh, the the drug lord's henchmen, I suppose. Obviously, they have to then go on the run in Bangladesh. Um, but the crime lord is so powerful that he has the police and the military under his control. Again, something we've seen a thousand times before, corruption in you know those particular sectors, in government and in, in the forces because of a drug lord and money. It's nothing new. You're not going to see anything new. I think <laughs> even what was it the Expendables tried to do that in the very first one. The drug lords owned all of the military, blah, blah, blah. And um, there's a point where there is actually a bit of a breather. And they're able, they're being picked up by a friend of Rake's. And uh, they're able to get to essentially a safe house. And that, um, just before they get there, before they get picked up, um, they have a little heart to heart whilst they're waiting to be picked up. And that's when you find out that Rake's, I think it was Rake's um, family drowned. Um, and then uh, that's, again, that's kind of all the storytelling that they needed for that moment. Yeah. So his son, um, his son died and then he doesn't know where his wife is. And it's yeah. that, you know, he, because he wasn't that. there. He yeah. was, he's the absent military father. Yeah. Yeah. Which was, so yeah I, I guess he, part of it, you know, he feels like he owes something to this boy to protect him because he can protect his own son. He feels you know, in the level of, honor or, or something i'm not sure it's probably father's guilt yeah 
perhaps. Which, which is quite common. I feel that not to that extent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, you know, parental, you know, being a parent brings a certain yeah. level of guilt because you're making decisions and you never know whether it's the right one. And in this case, you find out that he had done his tours, that he volunteered yes. to go on that tour when his son died. So he was carrying a tremendous amount of guilt with him because he knew that he could have been there if he hadn't volunteered because he didn't have to go away. So there's that element to the story. Now, you could take that whole element of the story out of it and you've still got the same film. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and this is it, the, the, the story. But what I like about it is the fact that they know that as well. The people making this film understand yeah. that. So they don't dwell on it. Right. And so we've got a film here who that's produced by the Russo brothers, um, mm -hmm. famous for the Avengers franchise and, and various other bits and pieces. So we know we're going to get, even before we watch it, we're going to get quality action scenes here because we've seen it before. We know that they love these big budget action films. And it's directed by a guy called... Uh, Sam Hargrave, and he is a very well-established stuntman. So, you know, these two people working together were never going to produce anything short of brilliant. Exactly the same, again, exactly the same as Wick. Two stuntmen turned yeah. directors, and they've made one of the best action films yeah. you've seen in a long time. Yeah, and, and even uh, so, in terms of cinematography, I forget the guy's name, um, Newton Seagull, you know, this guy's been on the, you know, he was the um, cinematographer for The Usual Suspects. You know, this guy is a big deal. He's been in the game a long time. He knows what looks good. And what's interesting is, so we can talk about this in a moment, but that, I think it's 11 minute fight. It sounds like 11 or 12 minutes, just uncut and, um, chase know, sequence, essentially. In terms of cinematography, you need someone who really knows what they're doing, someone who's got the experience to pull that off. Um, we saw it in um, Sam Mendes. Um, Children and Men. Uh, oh, no, no. No, yeah. So, yeah, Ch Children and Men, excuse me, not, yeah, that's not Sam Mendes, but I know the one you're talking about now. Uh, but, yeah, Children and Men was when I first saw that very long, uncut yeah. sequence. And I was like, oh, that's good. Yeah. What other people but in terms of bigger? complex action sequences, yep. though, we're looking at Spectre. Yeah. Right. That was amazing. You know, this really, and you know, we know that it's not unedited. You know, <laughs> we're led to believe it's unedited, but we know it's not. We, we can work out where the cuts are, but it's fab and it's really complex, really complex to put a scene like that together. And I think that um, in Extraction, they do that scene to an either even better degree than Spectre, than Children of Men, or anything like this, because the, the action sequence is so fast. Yes, that, so quick. And, you know, to, and it's, that for me was the most exhausting part of the film. I came out of that just like, whoa, yeah. that was mental. And it wasn't until afterwards I, was, I sort of stopped and went, that was all one shot. And I, you know, Netflix rewound it. And then all that. <laughs> I looked like that really was one shot. That's all one shot. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and you're right. I think it is a little exhausting. Um, but when you consider not just the length, but what they do in those 11 and 12 yeah. minutes, because you've got an on foot chase and yeah. fights whilst they're on foot and then being chucked off buildings and going into a car chase, yeah. um, having just come out of a car chase, <laughs> into a foot chase, into another truck car chase. And this is all one big continuous shot. Yeah. Yes, there are cuts. 
if you know what you're looking for, you can spot some of them. I don't think I spotted all of them, but there were some areas where I was like, okay, cool. So that was probably a cut. Yeah. And obviously where the camera's going in and out of cars and around cars and where it's like, there's no way that that could be now. I could be proven wrong. They may have done that, but there are certain things where I'm like, mm, that probably wasn't physically possible. Right. But unless you're looking for it, you wouldn't notice. Not at all. And I, that's, part of the beauty of it and i think unless you're looking for it you're not you know unless you're someone who's going to sit there and pick apart films like we do you're not going to pick up on it and it just feels like a fluid scene but really fluid um and it takes you on that journey of action along with chris hemsworth who is just brilliant in in the whole film but in that sequence especially and i think it just goes to prove you know, not that he's a great actor because, you know, we're not, you know, <laughs> it's not great acting, but it's absolutely amazing um, physicality. You know, yeah. he is, he is an athlete in terms of the amount of work that must have gone into that. I can, I, yeah, absolutely. One of the things I'm trying to say less is I completely agree. I've got to disagree <laughs> with you at some point. <laughs> However, um, you, you're right in the sense that it's, no, it's not great acting. Um, but again, the people who are making this and probably Chris Hemsworth as well, he, they all know what people are watching. Yeah. And instead of trying to make the film something it's not and then falling into the, the, the pitfalls of slowing the film down, they're like, no, they 100% know what they're making. They know that this is essentially one big, long action sequence set in a beautiful um, backdrop and a beautiful landscape. Um, and they don't try and make it more than that because you see action films from time to time that try and grasp at more than what they are and it gets either incredibly trite and cliched or it becomes very boring and slowed down when you don't need to slow the pace down for any reason other than the fact that somebody wants to try and make this uh, more than just an action film it's like no if you are an action film be an action film and that's exactly what this film does do you ever remember the film um, The Last Action Hero? With um, ah, yes, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly the same. And I mean, and that was a parody of action films from yep. the nineties and stuff. But it, it, that's that principle, isn't it? You are an action film. Commit to it. Just yeah. go for Be it. an I, action film. Don't try. You know, when we're not looking for hybrid genres, we're not looking for any of this. What we're looking for is an action film that is committing to be an action film. Uh, and boy, do they commit! Boy, yeah, do they commit! For sure. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and we see with the Expendables where they brought together all these action heroes and they created an action film. But I feel like this is so much more successful than that. Well, for starters, was... the action's better. The choreography right. in this is phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, the Expendables is um, gimmicky. That's yep. you know, that's the appeal of that film. Whereas Extraction is just quality, and it yeah. really is a quality action film. Yeah, I, it, it's uh, it's interesting that I you know, we we keep going back to the Expendables because I think the Expendables franchise was one that had big big problems because the first one was you know it was rated R it was gritty it was uh, quite intense with what it was trying to do but it was that classic of it was trying to be more than an action film they were trying to weave in this subplot between the main characters and you know the 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 woman who's over there they want to try and rescue her but she doesn't want to be rescued because she's one for the people it's like okay cool whatever um, and then they they went for masses of blood and violence, albeit some of it CGI. And then in the second film, it was so bad 
that it was funny. Yeah. But I think that that was intentional because it was very different to the first one. I think it's because they didn't really know what to do with the characters that they had. It was just the appeal of, hey, look at all these people you used to remember and go and watch. Whereas this is like, yeah, we're not going to do anything deep because we know that that's not what we're making. Awesome. We are, however, going to commit to the best quality of action that we can give you. And other than John Wick, I am struggling to think of an action film that provides such well-choreographed action in recent years. And I think so much of that goes um, just to show how influential Netflix is now in terms of producing this quality of film. When we used to get Netflix originals, you know, in the early days of Netflix, when they started branching out to Netflix originals, they were pumping huge amounts of money into very mediocre productions. Yeah. Yet me Netflix, they're unrivaled. You know, you've got your Amazon Prime and, and what have you, and, you know, they, you get your Amazon originals and that. They don't touch the sides of what Netflix can do. And the... I can't remember what the budget was for this. It was under a hundred million though. Where yeah, you see Netflix are very cagey about their numbers, aren't they? It says it um, budget $65 million. Okay. Very modest budget for a film that is wildly uh, successful. And yeah. you know, it went straight to number one. It's been on the top 10 for the last two weeks since it's been released. This is a good quality film. And I, I just hope that Netflix start putting more money into this kind of quality film. And I just... Well, well it, it, is, it is reported, according to Netflix, it is their most successful film to date good. in terms of views um, and in terms of how quickly those views were racked up. Um, now, some of that, and, and this is a little bit that's going to be down to Netflix's new policy and what they count as a view, um, because there was some, a little bit of controversy in the media a few weeks back where Netflix, if somebody watches something, I think it's for as little as 20 seconds, they count that as a view. Oh, do they? Yeah, so I don't know how, I don't know how that's exaggerated the numbers for extraction. However, it must have done well enough for them because they've already uh, greenlit a sequel. Which I was going to talk to you about that at some point. How are they? How do you think they're going to do the sequel? No idea. But there is they've, they've left it open, and if you if you pay if you pay close attention to the ending, then you can see how there's a sequel. But it might not be. They may do a prequel like Black Widow. Do you want to talk that about route. this? As in, do you want to talk about the ending or not? Um, I was going to say we. There's a couple other bits that I want to talk about before we get to the ending. Um, okay. Because again, the, the plot is very minimal. The <laughs> <laughs> so one one thing I wanted to talk about in terms of characters themselves was uh, David Harbour. Mm. Uh, Harbour doing Stranger Things, um, and he's done a couple other things for Netflix as well. So it's no cool, big surprise yeah. to see someone like David Harbour in this film. But, and spoiler alert, obviously we spoil pretty much everything we talk about, so switch off now. But David Harbour is the character, uh, his character's name is Gasper, and he's an old friend of, of Chris Hemsworth in the film. And he goes to the safe house, and it's all really chummy chummy, pally pally. But as it turns out, his character is the one that tries to betray him for the 10, I think it's $10 million reward yeah. on the young boy's life. And I thought that that casting was brilliant because when you see David Harbour on film, especially in recent years due to Stranger Things, you don't expect him to be the bad guy. And he's not 
the bad guy as such. And but he, he was, was a great a guy you see and trust. Yeah. And that I think is, that was an excellent casting because you do trust him. He's got a face you want to trust, doesn't he? Yeah. He's got, you know, especially. He's your dad or he's your uncle, yeah. you know, you yeah. trust him, you like him. Um, so for him to portray you was, I was actually really shocked by that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe I'm just being naive. Maybe other people watching it would have seen that coming a mile off, but I didn't. No. And um, I was disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I, I don't want David Harbour no, exactly. to betray him. I want him to remain the good guy. Oh, this is this is not how I wanted this to end. No, exactly. But I, yeah, and I, it stuck in my head, uh, my head as well. So I thought that was a brilliant moment. But again, it's they they don't have a lot of plot to tell, so they've they've set up their friendship and the betrayal all in five minutes. Yeah. But they did it so well, and the casting was so on point that it still had that small emotional impact. Um, and that's what they're after. It's like, cool, that's what we'll do. We'll do it through casting and through a little bit of storytelling and nothing more. And by God, was David Harbour the right person for that? Yeah, absolutely. He, that, he fit like a glove. It was yeah. perfect. But yeah. what I liked as well was the fact that it wasn't um, Rake's... Uh, Rake didn't kill him. No, yeah. So and that again, was interesting. I think he would have done. Yeah, I think he would have done as well. Had, had he pushed him. I think he would have tried yeah. to stop him. Um, but... As it turns out, Gasper actually got, um, he managed to overpower yeah. Chris Hemsworth, which yeah. I was like, I'm not sure. Do I believe that? I'm like, actually, Harbour is a big guy. Mm -hmm. um, but does he, does, he, does he have the training? Does he have the muscle? I'm not sure I would have believed that, but the way they did it made it believable. It works, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah much so. Um, let's talk about the other assassin, the <laughs> Bangladeshi assassin. Um, so whilst all of this is happening, the, so there's like a kind of a twist in the plot whereby, um, the drug lord whose son has been kidnapped doesn't want to pay the full fee to the agency that Chris Hemsworth works he, for. He, he can't afford it, can he? Because they've frozen his accounts. So, and he's in prison. Yeah. And so what he, he's got a henchman of sorts who works for him, who is going to, um, uh, basically kidnap the boy from Chris Hemsworth and then take him back so that they don't have to pay the agency the full fee for collecting yeah. the boy. Um, so this guy was fab. Like, I loved him. And I his thought he was story, brilliant. Yeah, his story was great as well because he had a story of a family at home and yeah. all that that we, we, we see. Well, you, you learned that the, the drug lord that, um, that hires him, because from what you gather from, from what little story is told, is that he's been a friend of his, well, friend is a very loose term. He has been working for him for many, many years. Um, and he actually threatens his family's life. It's like, if you don't get my son, I will kill yours. Um, and so that's, you know, he's, he's pushed into doing it. And the, the actor is um, Randeep Huda. And he plays Saju. Yeah, Randy right. Puda. And, and he, he was just brilliant. Everything from the way he looked um, to the way he acted. There's a, a part where, do you remember the bit on the boat where he goes in and he basically just takes out a four-man team on this boat and just, you know, it's, it's just done so well. One yep. of my favorite computer games is Hitman. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And for me, that was like a scene from Hitman. It was just <laughs> brilliant. It was so good. 
And it's his speed as well. Because not only does he take out the team on the boat, but then he manages to get off the boat and take out the sniper that's in the woods that's looking over the boat. And he does it all incredibly quickly. And then he tracks down um, Rake and Ovi, um, where they, they have their first kind of like uh, altercation in the, what is it, the forest or woods there. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's so expertly done. Mm. But it's, it's, it's like you, you, you've got, you've got um, Rake who is, you know, special forces and you've got Saju who is special forces. And when they properly meet during that 12 minute sequence, they are genuinely equals. Neither one of them comes out of that good. (laughs) They're all completely bashed up and they they have to hit each other with vehicles to stop each other, um, which again was just brilliant. But um, they, they they are equals in every sense of the word. Yeah, absolutely. Just the, the casting, I think, is, is phenomenal. Really well, phenomenal. And I did, I did for a short spell of time uh, feel sorry for um, Saju, the the character. Mm. But then, and again, this is probably the lack of storytelling that is helping. But then you've got to remember that, well, actually, he is working with this drug lord, and he has probably done some really, really horrible things. Um, talking about the horrible things the drug lords did there's that scene where that henchman for uh, the drug lord who has kidnapped the son in the first place one of his henchmen chucks that boy off the building yeah (laughs) straight away literally just picks what what, eight nine maybe ten honestly really young that that for me was just I sat there it's like Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> I, I I couldn't believe it. that. For me, that was quite shocking. Yeah. Um, literally just picks them up, throws them off. Is that like, right? Okay, so who's next? Or are you going to tell me what I want to know? Yeah, exactly. I was like, bloody hell! And the young lad with the scar on his face. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I without trying to sound too much like a cliche, he's gonna go places. I, I'm expecting to see him in other things now. Yeah. I would hope so too, because he did a great job with what he was given. Yeah, he was um, great, young lad, and you know, very small part, but really owned that part. Yeah, it was excellent, and it actually brings me on to a point that I was thinking through the film. It's like in certain parts of this film, you can tell, and and I know why they do it because you you have to be rooting for the good guys, but you can tell that they were trying desperately to uh, walk a political line. And what I mean by that is that the bad guys are killing kids. And, you know, the good guys, they actually, the, the children are hired because of, of the, the, the character with the scar is given a job and a gun, as they say. Mm-hmm. He, he and the children are hired to go after Rake and Rake does everything in his power not to kill them, even though they're coming after him with knives and machetes and guns. But when it comes to the bad guys, they've got no problem whatsoever with killing children. And so the portrayal of Western culture and anything that's not Western actually caused a little bit of a problem for me in this film. Well, it, it did for lots of people, Damien. This is one of the big, there are a couple of things where this film's caused some pretty major controversy. Um, so in, it's been called, there's, you know, we see it in films all the time, but the idea of the white savior. Mm. A white man who comes into a foreign land and can basically dominate anybody within that land, take them over, do what he needs to do, and save them from whatever issue they have. Um, and that's something that Hollywood has been doing for 
decades, you know, really long time, forever, in fact. Um, and painting the people outside of that, these non-white people, as almost savages, as, as less qualified, as less skilled, as less humane than these this white saviour role. So it has come under a lot of scrutiny there. It, that wasn't just you picking up on that. that. That was a major issue for lots of people. No, I didn't realise that, but I'm I'm in a way I'm glad that people were outraged by that because I think in the day and age that we live in, they should be outraged by that. Um, but at the same time, I'm not naive enough to think that this type of thing doesn't happen. What I didn't like was the fact that, as you pointed out, I, I again this this is beyond me. The the whole white savior thing is like, is it really okay to to portray that in modern cinema and films these days? And so the, the other thing that's been particularly, and there's been lots of press around this, is the use of the yellow filter on basically the whole film. As soon as they're in Bangladesh, they use a yellow filter. And it isn't until you go back and you watch it again, and you go, oh God, why have they done that? And uh, I, I um, um, you know, it, the, there are moments of it where that yellow filter is so unnecessary. And it basically, you know, the yellow doesn't have connotations of particularly nice things, especially not the kind of yellow they're using. You know, it's kind of urine soaked. Very yellow. sickly. Yeah. And it doesn't have, it's not a positive connotation. You don't look at that and go, oh, that looks nice. You look at it, you know, it looks <laughs> sandy, it looks dirty. And so it's that painting of this Bangladeshi environment. You know, I think it's Dakar, is it? Oh, Dakar, it? yeah. It is Dakar. I you think know, it's Dakar a thriving suburban city. This is somewhere where when you see actual pictures of it, this is a metropolis. Yeah. And the film has presented it in such a way that, you know, they've represented it as... Um, well, it feels like a third world country. Yes, very much so. And I, I feel like all of the actors who are not Chris Hemsworth are basically made out to be third world savages. And mm. it's, just, it's, it's so far from real life. And, and it buys into all sorts of stereotypes that we've seen time and time again. And so for me, that, that was a major gripe. Um, and actually, you know, being naive and stupid when I first watched it, it wasn't a major issue for me. But having watched bits of it back since then, it does make me feel quite uneasy. And I, I really want to watch this film again. I loved it. It was brilliant. But there is something niggling in the back of my mind where I go, that was a poor decision. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I yeah I did see I didn't do any any reading behind it in that sense like you did, um, but I can certainly see uh, why this would be an issue. I think m more so these days, people who watch films and I'm I'm literally I'm talking about you know your average Joe, your critics, whatever doesn't matter. I think people who watch films these days are a lot more aware of what they're consuming, mm -hmm. and so these types of things start to stick out, mm -hmm. and you can't. I think get away is the wrong word because I don't think a lot of the time that, you know, filmmakers, it, not in a film like this anyway, would be going out of their way to offend people. But you cannot rely on the stereotypes that you could rely upon, you know, 20 years ago because it's just not acceptable today. Not at all. And, you know, we as a society, we're, we're better than that. You know, we've yeah. come so far that taking a step back in that sense is such a shame. Um, and it is just relying on lazy stereotypes. That, that is simply all it is. And we've spoken before about things like the Bechdel test, where you know we, we have this you know idea of, of representation of women. You know, films are getting better at that, and we're, we're a million miles away from being perfect, but we're certainly making big strides. And and we what we don't see is films 
taking us backwards now in terms of representation of women. So I don't understand why, you know, representation of um, Eastern ethnicities, why all of a sudden that's acceptable. Yeah. I mean, especially when you think about something I said at the beginning was that this, this film's story is so old that you could literally have picked any backdrop, any situation, any scenario you want to think of, but this is the one that they went with and which which left itself wide open to stereotype because let's face it the thing that you should be focusing on is the action because it's so good so i mean you could have made this uh, a sci-fi and i think because of the action people will still have seen this in space mm -hmm. but they decided to go don't get me wrong to a beautiful country yeah. but then they make it look like this it's mm -hmm. like they're just relying on something that you shouldn't be relying on anymore those lazy stereotypes mm -hmm. And that is a shame. And when I was watching the film for the first, you know, the first time round, I didn't, I didn't buy into any of it. Is in, I didn't, uh, it didn't affect my viewing of the film. It was only afterwards when I read about these things, I kind of looked back and went, oh, yeah, that's that's not great. Yeah. No, I, I, you know, I whilst it did stick out to me, it must have been a, a passing thought again until the film had finished and then as i tend to do is i like to think a little bit about the film that i've just watched and and it did it stuck out to me it's like okay so the you know the good guys never kill kids but the bad guys do it's you know it's dirty dingy horrible it's like there it's it's like this film belongs in the 80s yeah. but with uh, 2020 <laughs> action sequences yeah. If, if, yeah. if this had, if this had come out in the eighties, people would have lost their minds. Yeah, oh yeah, billion dollars because yeah. of the action alone, and nobody would have cared about the stereotypes. Do you think? Um, just going back to the success of this film, um, you're saying it's one of Netflix's most successful films. Do you think some of that success has to do with the fact that we're in, currently in lockdown and people have nothing better to do, and they're looking for a sense of escapism? I think there's, yeah, I think there's a lot to do with that. I also think that because you've got the Russos and Hemsworth attached to it, that's given it a lot of publicity. Right. Otherwise, I think that this could very easily have been one of those films that Netflix kind of quietly pushes onto <clears> its <throat> streaming platform and doesn't really give it any attention because they have a nasty habit of doing that and sometimes for some really good films. Like you said several times, the, the idea that the story has been done time and time again. So I don't, you know, I know why this film is so successful in terms of the, it is a good film. The action sequences are, are exceptional. Chris Hemsworth is amazing. God, any man who watches this and doesn't want to be Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> I salute you, right? Yeah. But it's... I mean, I've, I've, been study, I've been studying martial arts for 18 years. I look at this and I go, damn, I've got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, he's just, he's great. But it's... In terms of, it's never going to win an Oscar or anything. Do you know what? I say that, but actually, perhaps it could because the really? Oscars. Are, what do you reckon? Well, yeah, for cinematography. Ah, fair enough. Yeah. Although, actually, I think probably not because of the, all of the stuff around the use of filters after in the editing. I think that perhaps it, it will. It would certainly hurt its chances. Yeah. But in terms of the actual quality of the cinematography, I think it's Oscar worthy. I really do. Um, but I just can't see this film ever winning an Oscar because it's, no. it's just kind of nonsense, but it's brilliant nonsense. Yeah, and it's, 
yeah, I think we're going to go around in circles here. So we, we may as well kind of like skip to the end and, unless we've got something else to say. But uh, in terms of the fact that it's nonsense, yeah, it's a film that knows what, it's, what it is and it'll just play up to that, but it'll do it remarkably well. The action is, I mean, I could watch this film a couple of dozen times just based on watching the action sequences alone because as a martial artist myself, I love that kind of thing. Yeah. I'll go through it and I'll be like, yeah, that's possible, that's possible. Eh, that probably not so much. But this is one of these where I'm like, I, okay, I'm going to have to really watch this because it's so quick. Um, and to, to have even a choreographed fight to the speed speed in which they're pulling this choreography off they have to know exactly what they're doing because for instance you know things like the knives that they're using you know they're probably plastic knives so they're safety weapons but the problem with a plastic knife is that if you get the end of that it's still sharp and it will go through you it won't cut you if you use the blade but if you use the pointy end that's still going to go straight through you if you stab somebody with it and so the speed that they're doing this at and, and the, the timing that these actors have got takes a remarkable amount of physicality and training and practice to pull this off. It's so quick. And at no point, because you do see it occasionally, at no point did I notice, it may have happened, but I didn't notice it, where they sped the camera up to make it look quicker than it was. I didn't notice it ever. So no. I can only imagine that this was just 100% them, mm -hmm. shot after shot. Because what people will attempt to do, what directors and, and cinematographers will attempt to do is one of two things if they've got actors that can't fight. Either speed up the camera so it looks better than it is, but it always looks bad, or they'll do quick cuts because they have to cut away because they make a mistake and they can only film like two or three moves at once. But you've got a prolonged sequence of 12 minutes and most of that is action, hand-to-hand -hand combat, and, and you've got nothing being sped up. And it's wide shots as well. Yes. So we're not getting so. Think, for instance, the Bourne um, trilogy. Or all the, close quarters, all yeah. close shots. And the editing. Very quick. So quick. Whereas this, you know, we're getting lots of wide shots, close up, wide shot, close up, wide shot. And those wide shots, you can see that. They're doing it for real. They're not yeah. slugging any of this down. It's, it's exactly what they did in John Wick, isn't it? Because, again, if you've got actors that can fight, just pull the camera back, mm -hmm. point, and let them do their thing. And that's exactly what they're doing here. Yeah. Because they can fight, clearly. It's brilliant. Before we do wrap this up, can we just go to uh, something we mentioned earlier about you said that they have Greenlight, the, the, the sequel, or, yes. yeah. or, or something else. How does that work? Because spoiler alert, he dies at the end. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. So if you <laughs> if you if you go to the end, yeah, they're on the bridge again. The bridge sequence, phenomenal action mm -hmm. piece. Um, and again, just a lot of gunplay there. There's very little close quarters combat. It's all gunplay. Oh, phenomenal piece. To mention is that beautiful sequence with the snipers. Oh yeah, oh. the tension. Oh my god. So yeah, the, uh, no, you go for it. I've I've spoken enough. You go for that. Well, just that reminded me of Hitman so much that the sniper sequence on the bridge. I really loved it. And you've got the kind of the general of the army, and he's got this really clear view of the bridge and the people on the bridge. You've got Chris Hemsworth um, and his agency trying to take the boy away, and this you know this colonel, this whoever he is, commander chief, whatever. He's on. He's looking at the bridge and he's shooting at the bridge. And he's just taking them out. He's just cherry picking these people off. 
and this woman who works for the agency works out where badass and she just takes the most beautiful shot and just stops him in the stride it's wonderful wonderful so well done and the tension is like okay again it's it's an action i know what's going to happen here and it happens and i'm still cheering and loving it as it's happening and what does that say about us though as an audience we're such a (laughs) passive audience because we we know exactly what's coming next and yet we still revel in it what is that but i think that's because the whole of the film up to this point even though we know what's going to happen it's been done so well that at no point do i resent the film for doing something predictable because i'll watch an action film and the action is average at best and when it gets to the end i'm like okay can we wrap this up please yeah you're going to kill the bad guy i don't care let's just and please for the love of god don't make a sequel but this because it's such and unfortunately sequels usually get made out of those films but because it's been done so well mm-hmm. at no point did i ever resent it for being predictable which it was yeah um, but i'm exactly the same i yeah right so, so we- yeah so so they're on the bridge the yeah. sniper gets taken out you think everything's yeah we're gonna you know everything's hunky-dory Chris Hemsworth turns because he's about halfway across the bridge at this point. And um, actually, something we didn't mention was that Chris Hemsworth and uh, Saju, um, so uh, Rake and Saju, they actually team up in the end. Mm-hmm. Saju agrees to get Ovi back to his family because they've cut the, the whole city's been cut off and all the bridges. Um, and because um, Hemsworth understands that Saju, whilst he's trying to get Ovi back, it's actually to get him back for his father because he doesn't want to pay. It's not to kill him. Mm-hmm. And Chris Hemsworth or, or Rake decides, you know what? I lost my son. Yes, you're not going to pay us. I'm not going to get my money, but there's no way I'm going to let this boy die. And the boy's best chance of success is to go with you whilst I distract everybody. And so they team up in the end, which is, again, phenomenal. Um, because to, just to watch them two working was just a, an absolute joy. Yeah. And you know, Saju gets shot by the. It was by the sniper, wasn't it? That's how you first find out about him. Yeah. The sniper takes out Saju. Um, Ovi manages to get to the uh, agency, which is on the other side of the bridge, and Hemsworth is halfway across the bridge. The sniper gets taken out. Hemsworth starts to walk towards the agency's helicopter so that he can get lifted away. And then the boy with the scar on his face shoots him through the neck whilst he's got his back turned. Mm -hmm. And again, the good guys shoot at the boy, but they miss Every time, even though she's a crack sniper, he doesn't even take a shot, I don't think. This is the thing, because you know, they haven't missed a shot the whole <sighs> film. <laughs> I'm like, I get it. He's a kid. You're the good guys. You're not going to kill kids. But for the love of God, this is war. Yeah. Um, anyway. Not we're condoning children or killing children. No, 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 no. <laughs> Absolutely. I've got nothing but, more to add to that. But... <laughs> Never condone. I was, I was going to say, but this is a film, and in reality, that kid would get it. Right. Anyway, Hemsworth falls off the bridge because he knows he can't make it back. He's got a bullet in his neck, and he doesn't resurface. Now, is this going dead? Is this going to be a Skyfall moment where all of a sudden he washes up in some? beach somewhere where he's lying low for a little while and then he goes on another mission Are we maybe and if, if you go right to the end there's a flash forward of eight months mm. Ovi's back at home and he's, he's he's at school 
and he's on the diving board and he dives off and he goes underneath and he tries to sit on the ground uh, on, on the ground of the pool, the bottom of the pool, much like Hemsworth does at the beginning of the film where he just leaps off of a, uh, um, what is it? It's not really a mountain. What would you call it? It's just a cliff, a, it's yeah. a cliff edge. Yeah. yeah. Leaps off a cliff edge into some water and sits on the bottom of the water, uh, on the bottom of the, the ocean there for a bit. Um, but when Ovi resurfaces, he looks to his left and there is a silhouette of a man very much like Hemsworth and then boom, Cut to black credits. Yeah. It's like, and it's not clear. It's like, is that Hemsworth? Is it someone else? You know? So right. they, they have left it open um, if you want to interpret it that way. Um, something else, again, that we've, I've completely forgotten about until we're talking about now. The bit at the, at the very end where um, the woman who runs the agency is in the so the drug dealer who kidnapped the boy and who basically he was yeah you remember it i now. just remembered right. i was like that was a brilliant bit yeah so um the woman who runs the agency um is um sorry i'll take it back the drug dealer who kidnapped the boy in the first place is in a hotel somewhere and it's a black tie event and he goes into the toilets and um there is, you know, his bodyguards are all outside protecting him, this, that, and the other. And he stood at the urinal and this woman in this beautiful dress walks up and you realize it's the woman from the agency. And she just looks across at him and shoots him straight in the head. And it's <laughs> wonderful. It's beautiful. It's just, Again, we've seen it a hundred times before. You know, they're getting their revenge for killing their best guy. Uh, he's going to get it. But it was just so good. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I... I kind of feel like wrapping up on this is pointless because we're like, <laughs> <laughs> would i recommend this film absolutely would like, i recommend this film yes right it has its flaws it, it does. does rely on stereotypes it has no dis it has no big plot so if you and again i always try and recommend films based on other films of the same genre this is a very clear-cut action piece mm -hmm. but i think it's elevated action in the sense that it's so well done that i for i for a time i can compartmentalize the issues i've got with it and just sit back and watch it for what it is an action piece so on that respect if you like your action films flip in watch this yeah for sure and I, I feel exactly the same way it is a shame that they had to rely on these lazy stereotypes it is a shame that they brought in that yellow filter but you know if you can remove those things from the film and you remove it from your mind when you're watching it this is an exceptional action film really well done to netflix the russo brothers um and chris oh, is it hargreaves the director yeah just the whole thing is is really well done Awesome. Right. Well, there you go. Eventually, Andy, we are going to have to not recommend something. I think that's what, five clear episodes and we've recommended five, them all. Five clear episodes. Uh, we've recommended other films. We need to find something that's a bit more challenging for us to watch. I think. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, we, we're open to suggestions. So if you've got anything that you'd like us to review, then by all means, just give us a shout. I, you know, but there was talk a while ago um, of some Studio Ghibli films. Is yes. Studio Ghibli? Yeah, Studio Ghibli. So we've, we've, we've got two other gents um, who from time to time would like to um, come on here and, and guest with us. And we've 
wholeheartedly said yes because they're mm. fantastic guys um and they're they're much more into your independent cinema or your international cinema um, and we thought it'd be a really nice change of flavor to bring them on every so often and when they come on they're going to pick the film that we review i think and so it should really mix things up here as well i think and there so. was there was talk of studio ghibli when they came on yeah i'm such a sucker for a mainstream film that's that's my problem and same here yeah so maybe we need to find something so if you do have any suggestions we are on facebook and on instagram and twitter and youtube and so just let us know drop us a message and, and just let us know what you fancy because you know we want to watch films that are out of our comfort zone um we're just picking films that are in our comfort zone. <laughs> <laughs> so if anybody doesn't know how this works we actually take it in terms to pick a film and as it turns out we're picking films that uh whilst not similar uh, still very much mainstream at the moment. Yeah. So let us know. It would be, be so nice to have a you know, contribution from a listener and, and someone who... Yeah. And again, thank you to everybody who is listening. We really appreciate that. And if you want to do us a big favor, um, then what helps us get seen is to chuck us a recommend or what have you on iTunes, Spotify, all that kind of jazz and um, Facebook as well, because we're on there and they've got a little recommend button. So if you enjoy it, feel free to, you know, chuck us a recommend because it helps us get seen from the big boys absolutely fancy sharing what you like or even just commenting on anything we're posting or anything like that is really helpful um on the facebook page especially we're active just posting <laughs> some yeah. very film, random yeah, film trailers little reviews yeah. comments loads um, of stuff yeah on there and just give us some feedback it'd be great to hear from you much appreciated okay this has been an mdm and ra production or joint production more about that in the future but other than that thank you very much say bye now ciao